The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Mark chapter 7. We're going to pick up where we left off last week in verse 24. Work down to verse 29 as we see a desperate plea and a gracious God. Mark 7. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house. And he did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first. For it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. I was reminded this week of... The, the blessing that it is to preach expositionally verse by verse through books of the Bible. I don't know that I have ever, nor do I know that I would ever necessarily choose a, a text like this to preach on a Sunday morning if it wasn't next. <laughs> it's an interesting story in the life of Jesus. It's a different story in the life of Jesus. It can be a, a somewhat of a confusing story. But I think as we dive into it this morning, that you're going to see just how amazing this story is, how encouraging it is for us, and, and how it stands here in the middle of the gospel of Mark as a reminder of all that had come before and all that Jesus is doing even to this day. So after more than a year in Galilee doing ministry, Jesus's time there had come to an end as he begins to make his way eventually to Jerusalem. We see here in, in Mark 7, Jesus attempting to get some peace and quiet and some concentrated time with his disciples that Jesus heads to the northwest of Galilee to this region of Tyre and Sidon. The city of Tyre is an ancient city. It dates back to 2200 B.C. It was in the area of Phoenicia, or Phoenicia we're maybe not so, so familiar with, but Canaan we probably are more familiar with or have at least heard of Canaan or the Canaanites in the Old Testament. 
In Jesus' day, this, this city of Tyre is under Roman rule and Roman occupation. The city is still there today. I assume it's in the same place that it has always been. This is modern-day Lebanon. Now, remember your Old Testament of, of all of ancient Israel's enemies, there was one that was the worst, and that was the Canaanites. So you have in this region of Tyre and Sidon an area that is greatly despised by the Jews. Not only is it a Gentile area, and and Mark identifies this mother as a Gentile, but this is an area that was Canaan. Not only are these Gentiles, but these are Canaanite Gentiles, Syrophoenicians. These, These are greatly despised by the Jews, yet this is exactly where Jesus decides to go, and this isn't by accident. There's a reason why Jesus picks this area to go to. This is the same place where some 900 years prior to this, the prophet Elijah was fleeing from the wicked king Ahab. And he had an interaction with a woman and her child there. It's found in 1 Kings 17, starting in verse 17. And after this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. Just to back up to let you know what's happening here, Elijah in, is, has, has prophesied uh, a great famine on the land. King Ahab's attempting, attempting to kill him. He flees and comes to the home of this um, widowed woman in the area of Tyre and is being kept there by her and the Lord is providing for them miraculously. Yet while Elijah is there, the son of the the woman becomes ill to the point of death, so severe that there's no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched out himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. That it's true. This is the same exact 
area that Jesus now journeys to where he interacts with uh, a woman's sick child. Jesus is the greater Elijah. And God is, again, going to be gracious to a mother and to a child here in Tyre. Mark tells us that Jesus goes there desiring to be left alone for a time period. Verse 24. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and he did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. We don't know whose house he went into. We don't um, know all of the circumstances surrounding that. But what we do know is that his presence, Jesus' presence, does not go unnoticed. It doesn't matter where he goes, people notice. So he could not be hidden there. Verse 25, Mark says, Immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Syrophoenician is just where she's from, this area of Syria and Phoenicia. She's a Gentile. She's a Canaanite. She hears of Jesus' arrival there in the town. And immediately, straightway, This woman whose little daughter is possessed by a demon comes and falls at his feet. Now, Mark does not tell us exactly what this woman says, what this mother says. But Matthew, in the parallel account, gives us a little uh, clearer picture with more detail. So here's what we're going to do. And not only do... Do you run the risk of getting confused as to whether we're in Mark or Matthew? I run the risk of being confused as to whether we're in Mark or Matthew, but we're going to do our best because the verse numbers are almost the same. But keep your finger there in Mark 7 and go to Matthew 15 where Matthew records um, this same interaction. Matthew gives us more detail. Matthew 15, starting in verse 21, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. So Mark doesn't tell us what she says, but Matthew tells us what she says. She falls at his feet. She cries out to him. And on some level, this Gentile Canaanite woman has heard of Jesus and has some depth of faith, doesn't she? She falls at his feet and she cries out, O Lord, son of David. This was a woman who had, from a first century Judaism perspective, everything against her. She was a woman. She was a Gentile. She was a Canaanite 
Gentile woman. She had everything against her in Jesus' day. As a Jew would look to who she is and where she's from. And she is breaking every cultural norm by doing what she is doing in this moment. But more than all of that, she was desperate. And there's a situation in her life that drove us to break, drove her to break every cultural norm. And she comes in humility and in faith and she falls at the feet of Jesus to beg him to help her young daughter. And what is Jesus' reply to her? Well, Matthew tells us, he did not answer her a word. She falls at his feet. Oh Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is oppressed by a demon and Jesus simply ignores her. Says nothing to her. And so his disciples came and they began to beg him. Saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. Send her away. They misunderstand Jesus' point here. Because it seems cruel and insensitive for Jesus to ignore this woman. Doesn't it? But he finally does speak. This is what he says, Matthew Verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's his response. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt down before him saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And Jesus responds again. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Mark says, Mark 7 verse 27, that he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. We thought it was insensitive for Jesus to simply ignore her. Now Jesus is saying, it's not right for me to give to you a dog. What's supposed to be for the children. Israel. Now what do we make of this response of Jesus? Let the, the children eat first. Don't take what is meant for the dogs or what's meant for the children and feed it to the dog. Well, it's understood through this statement. I was sent only to the lost sheep, the house of Israel. And let the children be fed first. Only and first. Only 
for the Jew and first for the Jew. These speak of the relationship of the Jews and Gentiles with God. And they are vital in our understanding of the gospel and the promises of God. On the the surface, this seems incredibly cruel and rude and insensitive. And it certainly is one of the hard statements of Jesus. But understanding what Jesus is saying here is key in so many ways, to understand the gospel and the promises of God. During Jesus' lifetime, his ministry priority was first to Israel. His ministry priority, first and foremost, is to the house of Israel, is to the Jewish people, to the covenant people of God. That is, during Jesus' earthly ministry, that is his first priority in ministry. Jesus was a Jew sent to the Jews because it was Israel that God had chosen for his good pleasure and his personal treasure. It was God's choice to choose Abram and to select him and his offspring as his special people. It was God's good and sovereign choice to choose them to be the people to whom he would bless and through whom He would bless. But the Jews misunderstood their purpose. You see, they had come to believe that God would only be gracious to them because of their lineage. And that God would show no blessing to anyone else unless they became a proselyte, unless they became a convert to Judaism, namely through the keeping of the covenant of circumcision. And so the Israelites viewed non-Jews as outcasts who were separated from the kingdom of God, separated from the purposes of God, without the promises of God. So, a Gentile, a Canaanite, a Gentile, Canaanite, Syrophoenician woman would have been considered by any Jew as unclean, as cursed, and as consigned to God's judgment. That's how a Jew viewed a Gentile. That's how they came to view a Gentile. Nowhere and in no other biblical person probably is this more evident and more clearly illustrated than the life of Jonah. Who preferred running away from God than to go to Nineveh and to preach a message of repentance. But we must understand that while God 
did in his good and sovereign choice choose for himself a people God's purposes and God's plan was to never only bless those people. Instead, God had chosen Israel to be a shining example to the rest of the world of the blessings of salvation. God chose a people out of all the people of the earth to say, you will be my people and on you I will pour out my blessings. On you I will give my decrees and my words. On you I will give my laws and I will love you and you will love me and you will be a holy people, uh, a nation of priests so that you can be an example to the rest of the world of the salvation found in God. That that was God's plan to choose a people to show the rest of the world the salvation that's found in Jesus Christ. That's God's plan. An Israelite over time misconstrued that to believe that no, we're just blessed by God because we're the covenant people of God and you're not the covenant people of God so you cannot be blessed by God. Instead of saying, look at the way that God has blessed us, God can be so gracious to you. This was God's plan all along. Listen to Psalm 67, to the choir master with stringed instruments, a song, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us And make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. What is David saying here? God, may you be gracious to us. May you shine your face upon us as your people so that the nations could see you. So that in us, the nations would praise you. And this is exactly what Jesus is showing through his silence at first. And his statement, let the children be fed first. For it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog. It sounds on its face rude. But it is a chance for Jesus to illustrate what he had just finished teaching. Remember the context. Remember what we looked at last week. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Remember what Jesus teaches All people are unclean. 
All people are unclean. And it is not the external that makes you clean or unclean. Be it circumcision or your laws that you can't keep. But it is the internal issue of faith. And there is no distinction. Jew or Greek. Male or female. So when Jesus stops and he ignores her. And she presses in and he responds to her. It's not right to take what was meant for the for the Jews and, and give it to the dogs. I only came for the house of Israel. It's Jesus giving this woman, knowing her heart, an opportunity to elicit this response from her to further teach this truth to his hard-hearted disciples. That God's grace is for everyone. And that's the way it's always been. You know, they wanted her to leave, get her out of here. But she persisted, didn't she? He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. What faith. In this moment, she recognizes her unworthiness and she acknowledges her place as a Gentile. I may not be at the table. I may not be a Jew. But even the scraps that would fall from your table, Lord, would be enough. What unbelievable faith. What's Jesus' response? For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And in Matthew, verse 28, Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done as you desire. And her daughter was healed Instantly. And she takes the son of David's word for it and simply goes home. Full of faith that his word was enough, that the scraps off his table are enough, that what was meant first for the Jews by their rejection has come to her and it's enough. What an astounding story. What a great illustration. Not just for Jesus' disciples on that day, but for us as well. Jesus 
shows grace to a Gentile. We see before our very eyes that it is faith alone and not a bloodline that holds claim to the sovereign mercy of God. And do not let that truth be lost on you because if this wasn't the case, not a single one of us would be here today. It is faith alone, not bloodline, that holds claim to the sovereign mercy of God. This story is a precursor for what Jesus would do for the Gentiles on a greater scale. Do you understand what Jesus does for this Syrophoenician woman is now what Jesus offers every Gentile. The Jews in Galatia had rejected him. So guess what he did? He went to Canaan and he moved to a Gentile. This is the cross. This is the cross. Though Jesus came for the children of Israel, by their rejection of him, His grace and His mercy flows to all nations, not according to a bloodline, but according to faith. Regardless, Jew or Gentile, there is only one kind of sinner that Christ receives. And it's not a Jew or a Gentile. It's a desperate one. It's a desperate one. The questions for us today is have we felt the desperation that our sin calls us? Have we felt the desperation of being lost? Of being a sheep without a shepherd? Of being separated from God? Have we felt the desperation in our souls that sin has brought? If you have, there is good news for you today. The son of David delights to show mercy to desperate sinners, Jew or Gentile, male or female. If you feel the weight of your sin and the desperation of your soul, I can tell you on the authority of God's word that God is gracious towards desperate sinners. People who are willing to humble themselves, to break every norm, to fall at his feet, and to cry out, O Lord, Son of David, Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. There is not one, not one that Jesus has ever turned away. Not even a Canaanite Syrophoenician woman with a demon-possessed daughter. 
not one. Maybe today you are a child of God, but there are other desperations. Maybe it's the desperation of a lost job. Maybe it's the desperation of a wayward child. The desperation of a difficult marriage. The desperation that comes in a world seemingly coming apart at its seams. Half of America is going to be desperate in a couple days. Everywhere we turn, it feels like all we see is desperation. Maybe the year 2020 exists to lead us to a greater desperation for his touch in our lives. Preachers are really good at over-spiritualizing things. Maybe we should be as desperate for God's power as we are for Alabama's power. Power. That one's for you guys. And you guys. I think everybody else has power. Oh, Austin, and for you. What's the message of Mark 7? It's go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Regardless of who you are, go to Jesus. He is a kind and gracious Savior. Not just once for salvation, but for our whole lives. Go to Jesus in desperation and find in him the healing that we desire. Jesus, what an incredible story that on its face seems difficult and seems hard to understand. Unclear in what you're doing and what you're saying. God, would you help us see through your word that in you there is hope for all nations, for all peoples, for all tribes, for all tongues, that you are not just the God of Jacob. You're not just the God of Israel. You're not just the God of those who have their blood flowing through their veins. You are the God of all who come to you in humility and faith. You welcome us all into your family. You adopt us all as your children. You, by your grace, have grafted us in. Though we are unworthy, though we are unclean, though we are undeserving, 
Your mercy is more. Your mercy is great. For all who come to you in desperation and say, oh Lord, the son of David, have mercy on me. That's been your message from the beginning of time and that will be the refrain of our worship throughout the ages. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.